a few years ago, my wife, Jackie, who's with me today, and I got to do one of those bucket list things, you know. Um, we got to swim with dolphins. Now, don't send me texts or emails, all right? No animals were injured making this picture. But the coolest part of the whole thing for me was at one point they said, if you want to, go lay in the water on your stomach, and, well, this is what happened. Yes, there are, there's a dolphin under each of my feet. They would push me forward, and they just said, you stand up. And I stood up like that, and I went for 50, 60, 70 feet with these two dolphins pushing on my heels, and then they swam away and went back in the water. You know, my wife still doesn't think I can walk on water. I don't get that. I, I've got pictures. Well, you know, some... Uh, Incidents with marine animals can be fun like that one and it really was a lot of fun But not all times with marine animals at least in the Bible Were fun ones and we're going to look at a character today. Some of you know who I'm talking about named Jonah who had a, a Meeting with a marine animal uh, all guided by God and for good reason But we can learn a lot from him and from his experience about this God being a rescuer, because sometimes we have to be rescued from ourselves. Sometimes we make decisions that aren't wise, and God still says, as we sang about just a little bit ago, God still loves us. He's still there. He still walks beside it. In fact, some have called this story Jonah and the whale. It, as far as we know, it really wasn't a whale. It says it was a big fish. And, but some people, because it's kind of a cute story and it has a good moral ending, they think, well, this is just for kids. It really didn't happen. It was just a nice little story. Oh, no. No, no. This really did happen. You couldn't be more wrong. And here's what we're going to learn. Listen, a pastor named Craig Rochelle, some of you may have heard of him, pastor of a big church in Oklahoma City, once said this, we're all one choice, one decision away from doing something that could drastically change the trajectory of our life for the good or the not so good. Wow. One decision. Yeah, could go either way. And so we're going to learn a little bit from this guy named Jonah who made one of those decisions and really needed to be rescued from it. Let me pray and just ask God to speak through me. Father, I so thank you for every person here and those who are watching online. And, and Lord, you know the decisions we've made and you know where we need rescuing. Some of us need to be rescued from big things, some from little some of us need to be brought into your family. Whatever it is, I pray you'll speak through me that my words will really be your words today. And we'll give you all the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, let me quickly review the story. Some of you know it, maybe some of you don't. That's okay. Uh, uh, Jonah was given this assignment by God, a directive to go to a city, a really messed up evil city called Nineveh. Uh, he was supposed to tell them why, hey, gang, you need to get your act together. You need to change or bad things are going to happen. Listen to what it says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, let me clarify something. When it says go to the great city, it wasn't a great city. He used the word great because it was big. It was a huge city. But the reason they weren't very great, because they were two things. They were 
incredibly arrogant, stubborn, and proud, and they were cruel. I mean, this place, you thought there were bad cities. This was a bad one. In fact, they're talked about in a couple other passages of the Bible. You can look later at them, but here's one. Isaiah 10. God says, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride in his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. For he says, by the strength of my hand, I have done this, and by my wisdom, because I have understanding. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria at the time. There's a second reference to it in the little book of Nahum. This is a small book in the Old Testament as well. O king of Assyria, your people are scattered on the mountains with no one to gather them. Nothing can heal your wound. Your injury is fatal. Who has not felt your endless, there's that word, cruelty. They were unbelievably tough on people they didn't like. So God says to Jonah, hey, I need you to be my voice and go talk to these people. That'd be an exciting assignment, wouldn't it? Oh, good, I get to go to an arrogant, cruel city where they really mistreat people badly. But you know what? Sometimes God asks us to do things that seem a little odd, or they say, I couldn't do that. That would be too hard. That would be too difficult. And yet he speaks to us, just like Jonah, maybe not to go to Nineveh, but maybe to do this. Uh, sometimes his spirit just speaks to us in the scriptures or through a message or through the worship that we just did. And he says, look, that's not a good idea. Or you ought to do that. Or you know what? You're needed in this project. You're needed in this activity in the church. You're needed to reach that neighbor. Whatever it is, we, we hear messages today from God. I'm convinced of that. Just like Jonah. So Jonah hears this one, though, and what does he do? He says, oh, great, God, I'm willing to go. No, he says, I'm out of here. <laughs> he says, someone else can do that one, thank you. I really don't want to go to Nineveh. Listen to what it says. Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. That's probably in what today would be Spain. So he goes a whole other direction. And he gets on a boat. It says it's, he goes to Joppa first. It's a place on the way. And God decides, well, Jonah, guess what? We're going to have a little storm come into your life to uh, somehow maybe convince you that you're on the wrong track. So he gets on this boat, and this, the waves you know, start going like crazy. And the guys on the boat say, hey, Jonah, whoever your God is, you better call on him because the rest of us are. We're going to die. Now, why'd they say that? Well, because in their culture, they weren't thinking about Jonah's God. They were thinking about God's. Everybody kind of took a God in those days, a pretend God. They didn't think he was pretend, but they picked one. They said, that's my God. So he says, call on your God. Maybe it will save us from the storm. Well, Jonah finally goes, all right, guys, I got to confess. I'm the problem. Uh, the reason this storm is here is because God's upset with me. And he says, you know what you need to do? Throw me overboard. And so the guys go, okay, we'll think about it. Yes. They throw him overboard. He goes in the water. So let me talk about four things that we can learn from what happens to Jonah uh, the rest of the way. Four things we can learn about listening to God today and maybe being rescued from our decisions. Number one. Sometimes the first part of God's rescuing us has got to get our attention. <laughs> 
Sometimes he just has to get our attention because we're too busy, you know, think we're not maybe doing bad things. He's just going, wait a minute. Hello, uh, I really have something for you. But he has to get us to hear him first. See, Jonah goes for a swim, and it says he's swallowed by a huge fish. Not a whale, but a huge fish. Apparently, this can really happen. Uh, A teacher was teaching this to some children one day at church, and she said to the class, "Uh, so what can we learn from the Jonah and the big fish story? A little kid raises his hand. He goes, you ought to travel by air. (laughs) A good thought, no air in those days. But this, he's in the belly of this fish for, don't miss this, Three days. Easter's coming. We just heard about that, right? Three days. You see, in the Bible, there's a bunch of three-day stories. Three-day stories. This is really cool. And one of them is Easter, right? Jesus dies. Then there's this Saturday in between. And then it says he rose on the third day. You know what I'm thinking? God, why did you just do Jesus dies and then have him rise from the dead the next day? Wouldn't that have been smoother? Well, there was that whole day called Saturday in there. And I don't know for sure, but I think maybe God was saying, you see, you need another day to trust me. I said he's going to rise from the dead. He said he's going to rise from the dead. So there's this three-day story, and I think that's going on here in, in Jonah. He's saying, Jonah, I'm giving you a little time to think about this. You're going to stay in the belly of this fish for three days. Well, at the end of three days, what happens? It says the fish threw him up. That had to be a great moment, didn't it? Wow. But he throws him up onto the ocean, onto the sea, rather, onto the land. But number one, did God get his attention? I think so. That's number one. Number two, like Jonah, God still knows what is best for us. You see, we got to understand something. God is not out to get us. What did we just sing a little bit ago? Abba, Father. You know what the word Abba really would translate to in English? Daddy. It's like what daddy would just purposely, you know, be mean to a child. We may have to do hard things. We may have to say, I know what's best for you. You can't do this. You can do this. Listen to Jonah 1.1, very first verse. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. See, sometimes the word of the Lord comes to us and we go, I don't want to hear that. No, come, come on, God, you can't really know what's best for me. Or listen to Luke eleven twenty eight in the New Testament. But Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and then do what? Hear it and go home? No, hear it and do it and keep it. You see, we hear from God through a lot of ways. Teaching, some of you are hearing this morning, not necessarily from me, maybe, You may have already heard. You may have heard on the way here. You may have heard when you got up, God keeps saying something to you. Don't ignore that. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that you might have life so it would be miserable. No. He says, no, I want you to have life to the fullest. Or 1 Timothy 6, do these things so that you can do the things that will truly give you life. You'll get to do something that you'll say, I want to do that over and over and over because, man, when I do that, I feel so alive. A few years ago, I took some golf lessons. Any golfers in here? I'm not a very good golfer. Um, Still not, sadly. But I took some lessons because the guy told me this young guy, he's half my age, was pretty good. I said, okay. So I got three lessons for some special deal. 
So I go to the first lesson, and he, he you know, works with me, teaches me a couple things. He says, now try that this week when you play golf, and then come back to your next lesson, and we'll see how you're doing. I said, that makes a lot of sense. So I go play a little bit. It was, it was okay, a little better. So I go back to my second lesson, and he says, how'd it go? And I said, well, you know, I've still got some struggle with this and this and this. He said, all right. So he says, get, your, get a club out. Pick out a seven iron, I think, for you golfers. You know what I'm talking about? He says, now, I want you to, we're going to change some things. I want you to turn your hands a little bit. I want you to stand up a little straighter. He moved my stance. Everything he told me to do was uncomfortable. I'm going, right, this, guy's, this guy's an idiot. There is no, what is he, I, I'm, this, I'm, this is not going to be fun. He says, do not move. Do not, do, do not change. He says, I know what you want to do. You want to go back. He says, do not do that. I said, okay. So he's standing behind me, and he says, all right, now, take that seven iron and just hit it as good as you can hit it. I hit the best seven iron I've ever hit in my life. Wish I could do it every time, but he could tell I was surprised. He's standing. Remember, he's behind me. Just like this lady right here. She's just like this. Got this little grin on his face, a little twinkle in his eye. And he looks at me, and you know what he says? You know, I've done this before. Whew, he was right. See, he made me feel uncomfortable, yeah. But he knew what was best for me. Abba Father knows what's best for his kids. Sometimes, though, our first reaction is, uh-uh, no thank you. You know, it's that first day when he's, the only time I've ever lied to my son, he's now in his 40s, uh, was when he was learning to ride his bike. I think that's the only time. And he said, Daddy, are you holding on? Yeah. <laughs> I knew the kid could ride this thing. I mean, he's been riding it. Daddy, are you holding on? Oh, yeah, I am. As my voice, <laughs> he, he, he did. Why? Because I knew he could do it. He was uncomfortable, but I knew he could do it. See, God still always knows what's best for us. Number three, God sometimes, however, allows us to face the implications and the results of our wrong choices. Like I said, sometimes he makes us stay for three days. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, Jonah 1.17. See, sometimes God says, I'm going to let you sit in the results of your choices. You keep choosing to do that, and you know what? It's like my coach in golf could have said, if you want to keep playing lousy golf, keep doing it the old way. But guess what? I just showed you a better way. It's up to you. It's a choice. God gives us so many incredible. See, sometimes when God rescues us, me too, I'm convinced that he has to rescue us from ourselves. It's not always other people. It's just us. Our fear, our concern, our, we go, oh, I'm not comfortable. I don't want to trust you, Lord. I, I don't believe it. I, it. It's why parents, this isn't a talk on parenting, by the way, but parents... Don't always bail your kids out when they have a problem. Not to be mean. No, that's not the point. Not to say, ah, oh, I showed you, stupid kid. No, not, not that at all. It's simply to say, sometimes you've got to learn. You leave your baseball glove in the rain one too many times, and I don't pick it up. You don't have one anymore. That's not mean. That's just, hey, sometimes we've got to face 
the music of our decisions. We gotta be rescued from ourselves. One more. Often, God puts us back in the place that we fear the most. See, Jonah, at the end of this story, we don't have time to read the whole thing, God says, uh, okay, now that you're out of the fish and we've got you back safe, uh, you can go on your way. No, he says, you're going back to Nineveh. What? He says, you're going back to Nineveh. The place that he feared to go in the first place. Last October, and this is getting, we didn't realize how timely this would be. Last October, Jackie and I were in Russia for two weeks. St. Petersburg for a week, and, and we, it was, it's my 20th trip, her fifth. And I'm so glad we were there then and not now, because we might still be there. But God has allowed us to go there over the years and to help churches and do worship and train people in all sorts of leadership roles. But uh, on one of my early trips, maybe my third or fourth trip, I was going to leave the country and uh, they stopped me at the passport control and they said, Niet, uh, you can't go anywhere. Uh, and I said, still what? Um, and it turned out that my passport, my visa, was misdated and it looked like I was in the country three days illegally and frankly I was wasn't my fault it was a long story they stopped me guess how I had to get out of the country I didn't offer this they made me do it they said it's going to cost you in other words I had to bribe my way to get out of Russia one year I was stuck for nine hours they were kept overnight scariest nine hours of my life but I finally got home and you know what? That was about trip number, I don't know, four or five, something like that. And I've been back 15 times. Every time I go through passport control, <laughs> I still get just a little funny feeling. It's so much better than it was before. But I, God says, you're going back. You're going back. Yeah, I know you fear that. I know you're nervous about that. But that's not going to stop you. See, uh, Jesus used to say in kind of King James Old English, fear not, right? Don't fear. Fear sometimes for some of us is a K-N-O-T. It's a fear not. It's, we're, we're so tied up by our fear, we won't try anything. And God says, trust me, I'm your Abba Father. I don't want you to have to go into the belly of a fish. You know, trust me, try this. I'm speaking to you. Fear not, Isaiah 41.10. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do you know why he says right hand there? We have a phrase in English. It says, he's my right hand man or my right hand woman what does that mean it means they are so reliable i need them they're there with me every step of the way and god's saying that's who i am i'm your right hand i am going to be there no matter what you face even in a russian airport for nine hours when they're telling you you can't go home Second Timothy 1 7 many of you may know this verse for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind so here's what I want you to think about I hope God will cause you to think about what's he asking you to do 
What's he been speaking to you about? Again, I doubt it's Nineveh. But it might be. Get some help with a relationship you're facing. Are you just going to keep going the way you are? Maybe it's change in attitude. Maybe people have been telling you, look, dude, dudette, uh, this, you got to change that. And you're going, oh, I'm okay. It's just me. Oh, maybe not. Maybe it's get a different job. Maybe it's start a ministry. There, maybe some of you have been going, God has been whispering and now yelling loudly, I would think you could do this, and you keep going up. Uh, I have a book out there. I'm not trying to sell you a book, but I wrote a book called Now. It's called Avoiding Life in the Someday Syndrome. A lot of us, that's where we live. Oh, yeah, someday, after the kids get grown, someday after I get married, someday after we have kids, someday after, when is someday ever going to come? Sometimes God is saying, no, now. How about now? Maybe it's reach out to someone in need. Maybe it's just the person next door across the street. Stop a bad habit. Get rid of an addiction. Take a first step. I love this thing you have in the back. Next steps, because that's really what this is about. God is saying, just take the next step. That's how you get up a mountain. You mentioned we're mountain people. That's how I climb. And when you get to 14,000 feet, it's hard to breathe when you're from the Midwest. So you take 10 steps, and then you stop, and then you take 10. That's what maybe God is saying. Would you just take the first one, take the next one today? The end of Luke 9, Jesus meets three different people, as far as we know. Every one of them, he says, follow me. And you know what every one of them says? Well, sure, I will. But first, what have you been saying but first about? I've done it too. I hear you. See, the great thing is that often our greatest joy, there's a great word, our greatest joy will come when we finally overcome our fear and we listen to what God says will be the best. See, remember, Jonah finally goes back to Nineveh and the people repent. Look at verse 4. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Then God saw their works. They turned from their evil way. God says, no, no, I, I still have a job for you to do. Come on. See, I'll take you over that fear. I'll get you beyond that fear. Look at what happened. Jonah chapter 3, 6 through 8. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, man, his, his job went to the top. He rose from his throne, laid aside his robe from him, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the ashes. I'll talk about that in a minute. Then he says, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth and let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked way and from the violence which is in his hands. When Jonah went back, the city got changed because he obeyed. <laughs> you know what sackcloth was for? It was kind of a yucky thing. It was like goat's hair. It was real scratchy, real itchy, mostly poor people. People in mourning would wear this stuff, and it felt terrible. And what this king was saying, we need to feel terrible about how we've been living, and we're going to change. Yes, I love this. Look at the scriptures. Think of Moses, David, uh, Rahab, Saul, Peter, Paul. Most of the names in the Bible, if you're new to the Bible, you'll see this as you read it. Most of the names of the Bible are screwed up people. And yet God used them in unbelievable ways. God rescued them because they finally said, okay. So what has God been trying to get your attention about? I don't know. 
Nobody's told me a thing. And I don't need to know. I know he tries to get my attention, still is. Will you offer God your trust and say, God, I haven't been trusting you on this. Okay, I'll take the next step. That's, that's what I can commit to. In fact, what is your best next step? I don't know, but my hunch is you've got an idea. And if God's talking to you about that today, this week, this month, then how about putting some feet on that and saying, okay, I'm willing to take a stand on this. What if today were the day that you began living without being held back by fear? So I'm not going to fear not, not a K-N-O-T anymore. I'm, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust this Abba Father to take my life, to take our family, to help me get to the next thing. I didn't plan on this, but it'll take me one minute. I keep a domino in my pocket. You ever see those domino things on YouTube, you know, where they set up people with way too much time on their hands, you know, 10,000 dominoes they've set up, and then they're going to have this coolie cool display. Some of them are like 15 minutes long. All you kids will know the answer to this question. Tell me what it is. How do they start that display? You're right. And they knock over that one domino. That's why I keep this. Because see, some of you have a chance to be one domino and change a Nineveh. But it won't be Nineveh. It'll be a community, your family, yourself, your life, this church. I don't know, this city. But maybe some of you have been going, let someone else do it. I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going another direction. I'm wondering if during this song, you'd say, I'm putting my fear aside. And whatever God leads you to do, if walking to the front, you don't have to, but if walking to the front would just kind of put an exclamation point on it, great. If standing up would do that, if going to the prayer room later, if coming to talk, that's up to you. I don't ever like to make anything happen. But don't leave here the same. If you need to be rescued, God will do it. I'm going to pray, and then the band's going to lead us. And you respond however you want to, okay? I'll be hanging around over here. Father, thank you so much that we could be together. Thank you that you do rescue us. We don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But I'm so thankful that uh, you, you give us that opportunity. You, know, you never give up on us, and you'll take away our fear. So free us today for whatever you want to do in our life. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.